Merry Christmas, everybody. How are we doing tonight? Yeah, we're glad to have you guys here. Did you get some cookies, some hot chocolate, some coffee, hopefully? Uh, I do have experienced guides. If you didn't get a guide coming in, ushers would be happy to bring those to you. Just raise your hand. It's got some lesson notes in there, some simple things. Again, we want to welcome so many of you that are first-time guests that are coming. I'm Pastor Mike. If I didn't get a chance to meet you or shake your hand in the lobby, uh, we just want to say welcome. We are so glad that you're here. Thank you for being with us. Um, we've got a few crazy people with their uh, lighting and everything else, so feel free to take a few pictures. They look fantastic. Uh, for those of you who are visiting, I made the mistake of saying you could wear whatever you want. So uh, next year, there's going to be a dress code for Mark Fezenden, I think. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You guys look fantastic. So Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We are so glad to be here. Excited to uh, celebrate the coming of Jesus. And, um, you know, I think sometimes we, uh, we struggle a little bit with the real meaning of Christmas. Um, and, and what we've been talking about, for those of you who have not been with us, you're visiting for the first time, what we've been talking about for several weeks through this Christmas season is, is a simple word, and that word is peace right? Peace. Um, anybody would like a little bit of peace? Anybody would have liked a little bit of peace trying to get everybody ready tonight? You know, or just uh, getting everybody to get in the car on time, you know, or all those things. And one of the things that we said this past Sunday that I want to say again real quick before we get into what I think God wants us to hear tonight, and that is I want you to hear peace is not the absence of conflict. You can't just take conflict out of your life and find peace. Right? Peace is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. Right? That's what we're here to celebrate tonight. That God so loved us, so loved the world, that he would send his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Amen? That's, that's why we're here. That's why we give up our night. Yeah, we could be doing family stuff and gifts and all these things. But it's so important for the family of God to come together and to remember what this season is really all about. So tonight, just for a few minutes, I'm not going to talk for long tonight, uh, but I want to talk specifically about some characters that we celebrate in the whole Christmas season, and that is the wise men. Okay? Let me give you a few myths about the wise men. All right? So one of the things I've been doing, for those of you who haven't been here, I've been kind of blowing a few things up. Like I've been picking on songs. Like, do you hear what I hear? That song, right? That whole concept of there's a child shivering in the cold, let us bring him gold. Like, how about a blanket, right? Like we said that a few weeks ago, uh, kind of thing. And so I want to I wanna kind of give you some real reality check on wise men. Here's a few myths about the wise men maybe you don't realize. How many wise men were there? Twelve. The reason that we have the tradition of three is because there were three gifts. But most of the church history and early church history, there were multiple wise men that came, right? So again, here's some myths. And what happens is our commercialization of the story makes us lose the story. I had the pleasure and the joy last night to sit around with some 20-somethings at the Thrive Center, and we just read the Christmas story. And I challenged them, hey, don't put Hollywood in it. Don't put the movie you saw. Let's read God's Word and see, you know, what it says. So another myth about the uh, wise men is... Anybody else had, I remember specifically, the nativity scene, and the, there were three wise men, and they were three different shades. There was, you, anybody else? You had, a, you had a black wise man, you had a mocha wise man, and you had a white man, right? Kind of deal, right? You know what I'm talking about? All right? and, and it's a myth that they actually came from three different places. Most likely they came from Arabia, which leads us to another myth. What did they ride on? Arabian horses. 
not camels. That would, have, that would have not been the way they traveled back during those time periods. I say all this because I think quite often what we don't realize is that we've got to get back to God's word. Somebody, right? And really hearing what God's word says instead of all the things that we've put in, things we've been taught, things we've seen on, in the movies, things we've seen and, and, and been told. Last myth is this, and that is that they were kings. That kills a song. What's the song? We three kings. No, actually, they might have been royalty, but they definitely were not kings. So what I want to do tonight is I want to read very quickly the story of the wise men and their interaction in this season, in this time of Jesus coming. And I want to give you three things that I think wise people do that we can pull out of wise men when they're in this situation. Does that make sense? So can we just read the story together tonight? Matthew 2, starting in verse 1, says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star. Anybody been looking at the Christmas star? Yeah. Jen and I were on our anniversary trip this week, and and, um, and we were uh, coming back from dinner one night, and like every bridge, there was cars on every bridge over at the beat, and I had forgotten. And we were like, what the heck is with all the cars? And everybody's looking at the Christmas star, right? I did a little research for you just because I knew we would talk about this tonight. They're pretty sure it's not the exact same occurrence of planets lining up, but there is a possibility that it's a similar event. Okay? So just a little thing for you. So they're following a star. We read here. Who was this born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophets. So here's the prophecy that was written hundreds of years before. It says, and you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained for them that what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship. What an interesting moment, right? Herod's the king. He's in charge. He's sitting in his palace. These wise men show up and say, where's the king? He's like... You're looking at him, home slice. What's your problem? Right? And he's like, no, 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 no. The king, the star, you know. And, and, and so you can only imagine Herod's kind of tripping out at this moment. But I, I want you to picture this scene. Because after following a majestic star, here's these guys. They've probably got some cool duds. They're probably decked out pretty cool uh, because they're wise men and they're used to certain things. And when they walked into the palace, they probably fit right in. Um, in the way that they looked and all. But they're following this star with this pro- prophecy in the background of their mind. It's kind of the backdrop of the scene for them. And here they come following the star and they're going to look for a king. So where do you go to look for a king? To the palace. So they go to the palace, right? That's, they, 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 take, they follow the star and then they go to the palace and they go, where's the king? And they go, no, 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 no the, the king's not here. So they went away from this place. Let's, let's keep going, Matthew 2 and 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly uh, with great joy. Right? Interesting. The new king is not in a palace. Where's the new king? In a stable. In a barn. Laying in a food trough. 
surrounded by animal stuff. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever followed a star, I'll say a dream, but ended up in a barn? Anybody else? Anybody else followed something that you thought was going to lead you somewhere great? And it was going to be this magnificent thing only to find yourself in a stable? Only to find yourself in that place? I, I can only imagine what it's like. What happens? That's my question for tonight. What happens when you follow a star and you end up in a stable? When your high expectations turn into a barn? What about when you don't feel what you think you should feel? Or when you don't see what you think you should see? Because the disappointment is the gap between expectation and reality. Anybody? We all have expectations about what this Christmas is going to look like. Right? And we would like to look at, have it all wonderful and perfect. But how many of you know, somebody's going to say something. How many of you know, one of the kids is going to do something. Are Are you following me? And so I found it interesting as I was thinking about our lives. We chase our dreams and we go out, shoot for the stars. Like these are, these are terms that we use normally in our culture. But it hit me this week when I was thinking about it. We don't spend most of our life in the palace with the stars. If we're really honest, we spend a lot of our life in the stable. Frustration. Regret. Shame, right? This, this, this is kind of normal stuff. When we started 2020, come on, somebody. I remember all the churches were using the 2020 thing. Ooh, 2020 vision. And they, like we had all this cool way that we were going to look at it, right? It's going to be the year of focus and clarity, and all this stuff. And then March came, Right? And and what was the start of 2020 when we're chasing the stars? Ended up in a stable. Ended up in quarantines and crazy stuff and families not getting together because one will wear a mask and one won't. Right? And what, what we thought was amazing, the star, the chasing, ended up being a stable. So they, they go on, Matthew 2 and 11. And going into the house... I got to stop there for just a second. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother and they fell down and worshiped him. What was the conversation outside of the house or the stable? These guys are all decked out, I'm assuming. I got certain pictures in my head. They're holding highly expensive gifts. There's gold. Come on, y'all. Right? There's frankincense and there's myrrh. We were talking with the, with the 20-somethings last night. And one of the 20-somethings, with all sincerity, he was like, you know, Pastor Mike, what bothers me about this story is, um, so here's this woman, Mary, and she's gone through all this. She's going to let these strange men come up in her house? I mean, come up there in the manger? And I said, dude, she got smelly things and gold. It's like Bath and Body Works and jewelry for Christmas. Come on, somebody. But what was the conversation outside of them. Can you imagine like maybe they pulled out a scroll and went, are we sure this is the right star? Right? Are are we sure this is the right place? Any of you ever been at that place? Like what happened? 
Is this really where we're supposed to be? Right? Like some of you right now where you are in your life, some of you are visiting us and you live somewhere else. But where you live, maybe in the back of your head, the thought is this. I'm only there because of the divorce. I'm only there because of the, the, the fighting in our family. I'm only there because I've got to take care of this family member. I'm only there for this time period. And really what I want you to hear tonight is we spend most of our life chasing stars and finding stables. But wise people know how to deal with stables. That's what I want you to hear tonight. I want to give you three things, just three quick things that I think that we can take from the wise men that'll help us to deal with our stables. Number one, Wise people look for God in the stable. I want to let that sink in for just a second because you know what? We are sinful people in a sinful world. I say this a lot. But we're always surprised when sin happens. Right? Like we are sinful people in a sinful world. And yet when somebody is so sinful as to cut us off in traffic... This is a heinous crime, right? Right, but but we we, we, we we listen to me. I want you to understand a reality. You're going to spend a lot of your life in stables, having chased a star, but not made it exactly where you think you were going to go. What I need you to hear is God's got you there on purpose, and that is where God is. That's wise people look for God in the middle of the stable. There's an amazing story about God's people who get hauled off into exile. And when they get hauled off into exile, they're beat up, they're taken from their homes, and they're taken to a pagan land. Imagine right now, like somebody comes busting in the doors and it's something out of some kind of, you know, somebody remember Red Dawn, that crazy movie? Or, Or something that comes where people come take you off and carry you off to another nation. And in that moment, you would think these people did this to us. Yet there's an amazing reality that Jeremiah says about this situation that I think reflects on the wise men being in stables and us being in stables and us being in places. Somebody here right now, whether you're listening to me or you're listening online, somebody is actually in a place right now where you don't think you want to be today. Or you had expectations of being somewhere else or at a better place by this time. Anybody else like me, like I in my spiritual walk, I'm always like, by 40, I thought I would like be doing so much better. By 50, I thought I would have this like relationship with Jesus down and I'm still wrestling, right? Like we spend so much of our time, but I want you to hear a, a, a reality of what happened to the people in exile. God himself says these words. He says, I brought you here. And what I need you to hear tonight is wherever you are right now, even if it's a stable, God has brought you to that place and he wants to meet you in that place. But how often, because we're disappointed, because we're frustrated, do we not bloom where we're planted? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do we not look and say, okay, God, what are you trying to, I'll seek you in the stable. I love that the wise men, I love the picture of them going in and worshiping amongst the dung and amongst the food trough. And what do they do? They forget themselves. It's not about me anymore. What is it about? It's about me seeking God, seeking who he is. Are you looking for a solution to your stable? Or are you looking for the one who has the solution? 
right? And, and, and it's so important. The one who's actually has set up the stable encounter for you is the benefit. The wise men were looking for the king wherever he was. See, religious people have a tendency to not look for Jesus, but to look for solutions. And what I needed you to hear tonight is in the middle of your craziness, because I've counseled with some of you lately, and some of your struggles, and some of the battles, and things that are going on maybe in your marriage. And we do a great job of coming to church, and you know we, we smile real big, blessed, and everything's good, but there's stuff, something wrestling inside of you, and I want you to hear, God has not forgotten you. Like he purposefully had Jesus in that stable to give us a picture. Listen to me, seek him in the struggle, in the stable. Let me keep going. Matthew 2 and 11 says this. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. See, number one is wise people look for God in the stable. But number two is this. Wise people offer their best in the stable. Wise people offer their best in the stable. The temptation is when we find ourselves in a stable instead of a palace, we hold back giving our best. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? In other words, we hardly ever give our best in disappointment. But this is exactly what the wise men do. Because they are seeking God and they know it is God that has led them to where they are. There's this really weird thing that happens to me every year. I don't know why this is, but most dramatic things that have happened in my life seem to happen in like August and September. Like when I go back through my life, it's, it's that time period. So there's this weird thing that happens with me every fall. The very first time that I feel a little nip in the air, I get a knot in my stomach. And I battle it. My wife will tell you. It's something I deal with every year that I get to this place. And it's almost not quite panic attack, but it's almost kind of just this fear, this struggle because of so many things that are behind us. And whenever we're in that place, listen to me, we have a tendency to recoil. Do you know what, do you understand what I'm saying to you? When we go chasing after the star, we end up in a stable. What we have a tendency to do is, well, I don't care. I'm not doing this, you know. The problem is, the problem is not our condition around us. The problem is what we have forgotten that the point of the journey is to seek Him. And when we remember that, when we trust that we are where we are for a reason, then we do our best in the situation because we want all that God has for us. What if the wise men stood outside and said, this is crazy. We shouldn't be here. This is not where I want to be. What if they left? What if they walked away? What if, they, what if they never never saw the king? What if you and I say, catch this, this town, this county, my job, my marriage, my school, I don't want to be here. I don't like my situation. And we emotionally, mentally, or maybe even physically just walk away and miss that the God of creation is actually in the midst of the stable and wants to meet you in that place. And so what do we do? We give a half-hearted effort because the star has led us to a stable. Can I encourage you tonight? Give your best in the stable. If all you can do right now is flip hamburgers for minimum wage, then be the best hamburger flipper that they got. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? 
right? If, if, if you're struggling right now, I talked to somebody else today that lost their job and they don't know what's next and kind of talking them through that. And what I encouraged him to do is listen to me. Whatever God gives you tomorrow, whatever it looks like, do your best. Just give it your best. Because here's what I know about my God. He didn't leave heaven and leave this... uh, I, I, I don't even have the words to describe heaven and perfection and no hurt and no pain. But he left that place... And the creator of the universe, come on, got into a baby's body. (laughs) I mean, we're talking like pooping in a diaper, baby's body. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? The humility. And he did that because he wanted you to understand. I know what you go through. I know where you are. And I've come to meet you in this place. And he's looking for a people that even when life doesn't go quite like we think, that they'll give their best. Bring your best to the stable and know that God will meet you there. Number one was wise people look for God in the stable. Number two is wise people offer their best in the stable. Look at Matthew 2 and 12. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Here's number three. I'm going to close with this point. Wise people change directions after this table. In other words, you can't go back the same way you came. It's going to be different. It's got to change. That's what it means to repent. Right? We, we, we use this word repent, and unfortunately we have people staying on the side of the road with signs and say crazy things like, repent or you're going to hell. And make this word repent this really negative thing. And repent is actually the greatest word in the Bible. Because all it means is I'm going this way and I turn around and I go the other way. And what wise people realize is that when I come to messes, that I have a heavenly father who loves me and he's correcting me. And if I will participate with him, and change directions. Every time you ask someone about the greatest lesson they ever learned, it's usually in a stable, right? They don't tell you, oh man, things were going fantastic and all this and I was making money hand over fist and all this kind of stuff and I learned this lesson. No, it's usually, I lost a child, I went through a divorce, I lost a job that I thought was the greatest thing. I was chasing a star and I ended up in a stable, but I learned a lesson. Listen, God wants to teach you something. So as we go into a brand new year, 2021, can we maybe approach it? Listen to me, not negatively. I'm not, I'm not asking you to be a negative person. I'm a pretty, pretty glasses full kind of guy myself. But here's what I know. Gonna be some stables this year. Hopefully, maybe not quite like 2020, right? But there's still going to be stables. And wise people will realize that's where God has me. It's where he wants me. And seek him. And in the midst of that, do your absolute best. I have the joy of once a month being counseled by the pastor who ordained me into ministry, Pastor Ron Cook. 
But you go back a few years, he fired me. And I got to tell you, when he fired me, it was devastating. Jen and I, we were building onto the house to make more room for foster kids, right? All the kids, there were eight of us living in a two-bedroom house. It was amazing. So we're adding onto the house. We're halfway through construction. We're talking studs and plastic up, you know, this is the livable area, this is the not kind of thing. When he calls me in and he fires me, and I come home and I can remember Jen and I sitting in the bedroom just crying, going, God, what the the heck, man? Like, what are we supposed to do if we move? The girls are still foster kids. We haven't adopted them yet. Like, if we move, they go away. You don't take them with you. Right. And, and so I, we already started talking about, well, I'm gonna have to get a job somewhere else, but I'll just have to commute for a while. You know, it'll have to be a weekend thing or something. We'll have to work this out. And, and we were just freaking out and God gave me a verse. And the verse was this, all authority I have put into place to rebel against that authority is to rebel against God. So I had the opportunity to stand in the pulpit. Why, Pastor Ron, let me stand in the pulpit? I have no idea. That was not a smart man. I don't know that I would have done the same thing. But he let me stand in front of that church and I told that church, listen, church, you are not going to split this church over one man. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I was committed with everything in me and I hurt and I was mad and I was frustrated and he was wrong. He was wrong. I wish he was here right now. I'd tell him again. You were wrong, right? You've been there. You felt that way. But here's what I know. God kept telling me every day, do your best and be honoring. Do your best and be honoring. And how amazing is it that this week I got to spend time with him and counsel with him. That relationship is good and healed. And now he's an overseer of our church. And here we are exactly where God wanted me to be. Are Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Like wherever you are and whatever you're going through, or whatever's about to come your way. God is in that stable. Give your best. Seek him in that where you are right now and trust him. And I promise you, he'll carry you. See, that's the Christmas story. The Christmas story is not some perfect, pretty little picture that we try to paint and create. The Christmas story is in the middle of my junk and in the middle of my mess. God would leave heaven. And come place himself in the middle of the mess and meet me here. And he wants to meet you in that same place. He wants you to come and have relationship with him. Let me pray for you tonight. Father, thank you for loving us in that way. That you would care so much. That you would go through all that just to have relationship with us. So tonight we've come to celebrate you, to give time up to celebrate you and who you are. And we choose. We choose in whatever situation we're in right now, we choose to worship you. We choose to honor you. We ask you to give us courage to do our best at whatever is put in our hands and that we have the opportunity to do today. And we want to see you. We want to seek you in that process. With eyes still closed, if there's anybody here tonight and you've never had a relationship with Jesus, not a religion, 
Not a belief system, but a relationship. That's really what he came for. He came to have a relationship with you. And he would love nothing more than for you to say tonight, I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I make you Lord of my life. Come into my heart tonight. Forgive me of all my sins. As best as I understand, I'm going to serve you the rest of my days. Pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. We're going to sing one more song. Marcus got a little song prepared for us. And it's a song, honestly, that I picked on in my teachings. And here's why. I picked on Silent Night, right? We sing Silent Night, Holy Night. And we get this picture of peace and all this sort of stuff. But I want to remind you that he did not come to bring peace around you. He came to bring peace within you. So as we sing this song, I hope maybe in your heart you'll sing it a little bit differently. Because when you sing all is calm and all is bright, we're not singing about a night. We're singing about our soul. Because, Jesus, you are part of my life, then all is calm and all is bright. Amen? Let's sing this song.
We had a little one that was going to sing. She got a little nervous. Let's pray real quick. God, thank you again for tonight. Thank you for the meaning of Christmas, what it is, what it really is. Peace. Peace in our souls. I pray peace over everyone here. God, regardless of where we are, chasing stars and finding stables, that we would rest in you and on our relationship with you. Give us peace and courage as we have family get-togethers, that we might be peacemakers and love sometimes the unlovable, just like you did for us. So we worship you and honor you tonight, give you praise. We pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Merry Christmas, everybody. We'll see you guys on Sunday. Have a great one.